SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Kicking off hour number two here on the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein, taking you through noon Eastern time here on the Sports Grid Network. This hour, we're going to see how the market moved after the MLB trade deadline Friday afternoon. A lot has changed in the marketplace. Some teams with those World Series odds, it moved closer and closer in their favor. Two great guests this hour. First, Dr. David Chow of ProFootballDoc.com. It's his time of year. He used, to co- he used to be the team doctor for the San Diego Chargers, and he knows exactly what's going on right now in the NFL world when it comes to injuries and training camp. When it comes to Major League Baseball, Tom Vecchio's our guy. He's going to give us some Major League Baseball action. He's hit three straight home run props that he's given out on the show. You're not going to want to miss those long odds. But first, we have to talk about long odds that did cash over the weekend. It was Xander Schauffele who wins gold for the men's golf, and he was 9-1 to one to do so. Then we had two people here on Sports. Sports Grid, who broke it down for us, Dubs, and we had David Bierman of ESPN.com. They predicted that it was going to be Shoffley to win gold, and they cashed in at 9-1. to one. Listen, Xander Shoffley has been Mr. Consistent when it has come to major championships. Always in contention, but never getting the job done. As they say, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. But in Tokyo on Sunday, in what was a jam-packed field down the stretch late when everybody was firing red, low, scorching numbers, Xander Shoffley prevailed a beautiful third shot into the tough 18th, saving his par, capping off a gold medal for the United States. Xander Shoffley at plus 900 had the second shortest odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook behind fellow countryman Colin Morikawa, who was coming off the Open Championship victory. But Xander was a guy a lot of people liked because it was not quite a major championship where Xander has not won one just yet, but it was a big-time event where Xander plays his best golf, and he was able to do that in Tokyo all week long in a jam-packed field. And I mean jam-packed because not only did FanDuel Ariel have the gold medal winning odds, of which Xander won at plus 900, they also had odds to medal. And there was a seven-golfer playoff for the bronze medal. Seven guys, all tied after 72 holes of regulation, had to play in playoff holes to decide who would win third place and that bronze medal. It ended up being C.T. Pan. But seven guys with huge implications for the betting markets. But it was a lot of fun to watch that Olympic golf event. And Xander Shoffley reigning supreme. Another gold medal for Team USA. A gold medal for Xander. And hopefully you cash that ticket at plus 900. Another update from the Olympics. Because we just had the men's baseball team in action against Japan. Japan had Masahiro Tanaka, the former Yankees starter on the mound. Todd Frazier also ends up getting a hit off of him. And we had the former Yankee and I'm thinking White Sox, uh, David Robertson. He also came into the game for Team USA in relief. However, Team USA does fall 7-6 in extra innings. It went to 10 innings. Japan ends up getting the win. So Team USA has to play at 11 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. Todd Frazier uh, ends up going, I think this is his hit, uh, I was looking two hits in the game and one RBI going two for five for the former MLB player. I do love this, Ben, because in a lot of the times for the Olympics, 
we don't get a lot of major leaguers to participate because it's right in the middle of the baseball season. You had Tanaka, who decided not to play in the majors. You had David Robertson, who's been dealing with injuries. And you have Todd Frazier. You have three guys who are on the field today. And that was really cool to watch, but not as cool for the loss for Team USA. Welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience. Second hour here on the morning after. Sirius XM Channel 204, the Mattier 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Ben, seeing all these former major leaguers on the field for Team USA versus Japan, 7-6 Japan gets the win. Team USA is still alive, though, and gets to play Tuesday. Disappointing Team USA battling back and forth in what was a very good contest between Japan and the USA. USA went up 6-3. Japan closed the gap and then come back to win in extra innings. We also have some very good Olympic basketball action on our way over the next 24 hours or so. Overnight or tomorrow morning, depending on how you think about it, depending on how things work out in Tokyo, we have Team USA in the quarterfinals against uh, Spain. I'm looking for those odds right now. That is 12.40 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, but that's really just tonight. So Spain and the USA, USA a 12-point favorite over Spain, a team they had played in two straight gold medal finals in 08 and 2012, and then in the semifinal in Rio in 2016. Also tonight, Slovenia and Germany, and of course, leading that Slovenian national team is Luka Doncic. His player prop, his points prop on the FanDuel Sportsbook, and we have points props for Olympic basketball for Luka Doncic tonight is 28 and a half. If you're going to bet that game, you might as well take the over on Luka's points prop tonight against Germany. No, no, no real handicapping there to lead you to that assessment. Just I feel like if you're going to watch Slovenia and Germany tonight at the Olympics, might as well sprinkle in the over of Lucas points prop. I also want to give another shout out for gymnastics because I love gymnastics. And Jade Carey ends up coming away with gold on the floor exercise. She was so close to getting injured when she was warming up for her vault. She ends up getting her right ankle trapped. There was concern for her right ankle. Her dad's also her coach, which is really cool. So she gets to take home the gold. And her dad and her took a picture afterwards with her eating the gold medal. They said Christmas card for Team USA and the Carey family. I just think that's the coolest thing that she ends up cashing in for gold with her dad as her coach. And also so many opportunities have come up for these women or young girls too who just were getting to compete at a different level because Simone wasn't out there. Now granted we're going to see Simone on the beam. She's going to do that exercise this week. For the other women though, Michaela Skinner over the weekend cashing in at silver for vault. Jade Carey, these girls have worked so hard to get to this point and they're getting recognized for it and getting these opportunities that maybe they wouldn't have gotten up against the great Simone Biles. Coming up next, Dr. David Chow of ProFootballDoc.com. We'll talk through those training camp injuries up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. In the morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining the show, ProFootballDoc.com's Dr. David Chow. He comes on, breaks down all the injury updates in sports, especially 
in football. Dr. Chow, thanks for joining us this morning. And Cosmo. <laughs> and Cosmo. Oh, oh my goodness, I love it. We got the dog in the house. <laughs> my dog's sleeping next to me, but the dogs, they have the best life. Dr. Chow, I've got to ask you about the team that actually – well, it's not the team. It's the quarterback whose team was ruled dogs, and that was the Eagles' former quarterback, Carson Wentz. They were dogs because their quarterback couldn't stay on the field. They had Nick Foles leading the way through the playoffs. Now, Wentz goes over to Indianapolis, and the play and the injury bug continues to hurt him. What is going on with Wentz's foot injury? Yeah, I mean, injury bug is fine. I don't love the whole injury-prone thing. I mean, the guy can't help it. I mean, uh, but it's true. Uh, yeah, but- yeah, it's bad luck. It's not related. Injury prone would be the same injury over again, over again, or related in some way. But you know, the situation is still somewhat strange. And what I mean by that is, you know, first of all, we don't know exactly what the diagnosis is. Piecing together the media reports, I believe there may be an issue with the sesamoid because of Mike Silver's report, Mike Garofalo, and Ian Rappaport's. It's not a list, Frank. It's something in his foot. It was push off non-contact. But what's strange to me at this point in time is that the word is, right now, no immediate plans for surgery. Rest for a few days and then hope it gets better or need surgery. I mean, does that pass the smell test for anybody? I mean, rest for a few weeks and see if it gets better? Rest for a few days. Either he needs surgery or he doesn't. And if he does need surgery, a few days isn't going to change it. If he you know, if Russ is going to do it, then why is surgery on the table? So I'm not sure that the story is fully told yet. I'm not saying the Colts don't know what they're doing. I'm just saying we on the outside don't have the whole picture yet. I mean, is this a delay so they can actually get a veteran quarterback in trade without paying a high price? I don't know. Is this a delay because of the weekend where you actually have to go to the second opinion doctor and you know they're just buying a couple of days I, I don't know but it just at face value that doesn't really make sense to me what's being said so dr chow if it is surgery for carson wentz and it is that worst case scenario what does the timeline look like for carson wentz's return to the field well to be clear i don't know exactly what the injury is but if it's presumed to be a sesamoid excision is the way to go and I don't know that I would ever call them. I'm a surgeon, I do surgery for a living, so full disclosure, but I don't always think surgery is the worst case scenario. In other words, it cuts your losses and defines a returning point as opposed to potentially. Now, what would the timeline be? I would say the over under is six weeks into the regular season. In that range. Dr. Chow, uh, you also just tweeted this out on your Twitter page about Caleb Farley, the first-round pick for the Tennessee Titans, who just passed his physical. You said you never had a doubt that he would pass his physical. It's just about how long with back issues he can last in the NFL. What is it about Farley's back that makes you concerned? Well, he's a young man who's had a couple of back surgeries, including after he opted out. So he obviously has some issues there. And whenever you have back surgery, especially when you're young, it's only a matter of time before you have future back issues. Now, is a matter of time another 10, 12 years? We hope so, right? But you never know what the stresses of this league. And so that's the worry for him. How long can he stay on the field? Not if he can play, 
I, he's one of the best cornerbacks around. I'm sure he can play. I'm sure he can pass a physical. And, you know, maybe he has a great rookie season. But will he play through his first five years, four or five years? Will he get to a second contract? Those are some of the more long-term questions with Caleb Farm. So, Dr. Chow, switching from the NFL to Major League Baseball, Fernando Tatis Jr. back on the IL with that same right shoulder injury. What's the latest update as you've seen this happen now with Tatis going back to the IL? Well, it's actually the left shoulder um, and uh, it's been very similar. And we've talked about it on the show. I remember back in April when it happened for a third time this season, two times in the preseason. At first, I said, if it happens three times, there's going to be a fourth. There's, if it happens a fourth, there's going to be a fifth. Now we're at five times now. The first time was in the preseason sliding into home uh, head first. They told him not to do that anymore. The second time was reaching on a defensive play. The third time was on a violent swing, and now they keep his top hand on the bat. The fourth time was on a diving play at shortstop. And the fifth time now was a feet-first slide where it was a little bit awkward where he was rolling to get out of the way of a tag. This kid is unbelievable. He's in San Diego here. I love him. He's my son's favorite player. The guy is the matrix, right? I mean, he contorts his body all different ways to do all these things, and that's what puts his shoulder at risk. I'm not second-guessing the Padres. Clearly, Tatis is in on the decision, and it now has been released, what we've been saying since April. Surgery is a matter of when, not if. They've agreed now that he's going to have off-season surgery. So to me, I think he's going to come off 10 to IL and give it another go at this point in time. Why? Because he didn't stop him after four. What changed now after five? The Padres are still in it. He's still playing effectively. And unless he has a change of heart, I see him trying to give it a go until there's a sixth time. When will he end up with the surgery? When the Padres are out of contention or he's not effective or he changes his mind that enough is enough. In other words, worry about long-term damage. Those are the, the, the issues uh, at play here. Dr. Chow, when it comes to that surgery, if, let's say, Tatis Jr. is able to wait until the offseason to do it, how much will he? How much are you willing to bet that he'd be able to play at the start of 2022 you're talking about a plus minus six month recovery timeline so right now not yet august does he still have time to get ready for april but i think some people are would say you know you would certainly trade september for april and maybe october for may right uh, in terms of if the padres could get there the question is this and i'll ask both of you guys if you were the owner of the padres and there was a 1% chance of long-term issues with Tatis if he kept playing like this. Would you let him play or would you shut him down? I would probably, if it's just 1%, I'd have to let him play if you're in playoff contention. You have to. Hey. Okay. I'm not, Ben, I mean, I'm not sure everyone answers the questions the same way. I'm just asking the hypothetical. I mean, it's a $340 million investment that you have for 12 years. So I'm thinking that maybe if there was future injury concern on the line, if they let him go, seeing as where they are, I would be a little bit more skeptical. I might see there you go. Down I mean, that, it, that's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's the chance the decision. you have to win a World Series this year. No, I, I, I hear you. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, right? Look, if he yeah. continues to play, they win a World Series, and he doesn't get hurt, Ariel's right. But if he has long-term issues, 
you know, Ben's going to be right, right? I mean, so hindsight's going to be 2020 on this. And these are the parties are battling with. It's not as easy as we from the outsider fans make it seem to, to be. Yeah, completely point. agree. Dr. Chow, another injury concern to Major League Baseball quickly here as we're rounding out this segment. Jacob deGrom been shut down from throwing for the Mets. What's the latest info that you have there? Well, I, I, I've lost track of Jacob deGrom in terms of his soreness. I know anatomy-wise he's okay, but he's been shut down a bunch of times now. Uh, a while back I said, look, we're at DEFCON 3, right? I think now we're at DEFCON 2. DEFCON 1 meaning surgery and, you know, extended absence. And so it, it continues to rise, and I think we're at DEFCON 2 right now. He's been shut down multiple times and no real timeline, and we'll have to see. Now at 6-1, to one, the six best odds to win the National League Cy Young after missing so much time this year. Dr. David Chow of ProFootballDoc.com. Make sure to catch him at ProFootballDoc on Twitter for all the latest updates and ProFootballDoc.com talking about the NFL and those training camp injuries. Dr. Chow, thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week. But coming up next, Ben and I are going to continue here on the morning after. We've got you covered until noon Eastern time here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Penn Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Time to take a look at how the futures market's moving. It's time for market movers. Back on January 25th, I decided to snapshot Major League Baseball's World Series odds. We looked at it today or yesterday after the trade deadline on Friday and saw how the market has moved in the direction of certain teams. For example, January 25th, the Los Angeles Dodgers were plus 450 to win the World Series. Today, they're plus 320, a team that the odds moved significantly in favor of, the Houston Astros. The Astros had the most movement going from 25 to 1 on January 25th to now plus 480, second best odds on the board to win the World Series, the Houston Astros. The San Francisco Giants, rightfully so, they also had a lot of movement in their favor. The Giants were 80 to 1 to win the World Series, and now the Giants at 10 to 1 to win the World Series. There's been a lot of movement in the marketplace. Those are the three big ones. Ben, what stands out to you? This is the time to once again reassess the MLB World Series futures market because the trade deadline has come and passed and all of these teams really making some sort of moves at the deadline to better position themselves for a run to a American and National League pennant and then hopefully a World Series championship as well. Of course, the biggest movement on the board that is certainly the surprise of all of this Major League Baseball season 
is the San Francisco Giants. The fact they went from 80 to 1 to now 10 to 1, and they're still 10 to 1, Ariel, despite having the best record in all of Major League Baseball and have continued to sustain that best record for the last month or two months of this Major League Baseball season is rather shocking. I think that movement on the Houston Astros, though, is where my eye goes because the Houston Astros entering this year were still looked at as the team that was coming off of the cheating scandal. Now back in front of the fans, how tough would that be for them to deal with this season? But the players on that team, for the most part, is still very much that core that is in, in, in place now in Houston still. A.J. Hinch, no longer the manager. Alex Cora, who was the bench coach, now obviously the manager of the Boston Red Sox. They did lose George Springer and Garrett Cole. But a lot of that team there, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, Yuli Gurriel, still there. Alec Bregman, when he comes back, from the IL as well. When he comes back and is able to play, I mean, you still have those pieces in place, and they're still very, a very, very good team, proving that despite some of the trash can bangings and maybe the buzzers, that even without the cheating scandal, these guys can play. So now when you look at the Houston Astros, tied for the best record in all of the American League with the Tampa Bay Rays, to see that movement is not surprising. But really where it stands now, these are your teams to take into consideration as we get ready for the World Series, teams that made moves at the deadline. A team you will not see here, though, that also needs to be in consideration, Ariel, as you know, is the Tampa Bay Rays, because when you find them on the odds board right now, with the fifth shortest odds at 11-1 to to win the World Series championship, the Rays also making moves at the deadlines. The Rays made the World Series last year in the short, compacted 2020 season. So, a ton of movement, and this is the time, once again to reassess any of the future tickets you might have and if you want to dive in now if you think there is value on a team after the trade deadline there were two teams in the american league east and we can only fit a few teams on this graphic yet the tampa bay rays and the boston red sox are two teams that moved a lot too you mentioned the rays they were 25 to 1 in the preseason and now you said fifth best odds 11 to 1 the red sox also, and it's interesting, I told you, this discrepancy in the marketplace is so bizarre. I wonder if uh, FanDuel actually caught up to it. No, they still haven't. You've got the Boston Red Sox to win the American League at 5-1 to one and the Rays at plus 550. However, when it comes to the World Series odds, the Red Sox have longer odds than the Rays to win the World Series. The Red Sox are 12-1, to one, the Rays are 11-1. to one. Your value is plus 550 on the Tampa Bay Rays to win the American League. This is ridiculous. I don't understand where FanDuel's head's at right now because the Red Sox have longer odds than the Rays to win the World Series. It's just so weird. The Red Sox moved up a lot, though. I mentioned 80 to 1, or sorry, 45 to 1 in the preseason, and now they are at 12 to 1 to win the World Series. The American League East has two teams coming out of it right now that are the teams that were booked. The Red Sox had the fourth worst odds to win the division. And they're in contention. Now, I could see them dropping off in the months of August and September. The Rays are the better team. The Rays have more depth. They have better pitching. And the Rays have the second-best OPS amongst everybody in Major League Baseball uh, when it comes to hitting. So you've got a well-rounded Rays team, a great bullpen, and they're a top-10 bullpen, a top-10 lineup, a top-10 starting rotation. The Rays have it all. Just can they make it back after another season last year to make it to the American League a championship series and win the world or excuse me a runner-up in the world series can they do it again i just don't understand ben this this marketplace it's weird i mean you've got the red sox who are longer odds and you still have the red sox at better odds to win the american league it's just a weird discrepancy we're finding weird market movement in our market mover segment because you're right to have the tampa bay rays with shorter odds to win the world series 
at 11 to 1 as opposed to the Red Sox at 12 to 1. Yet the Rays have longer odds to win the AL, which is also a discrepancy from the fact that the A or the Rays right now are the minus money favorite to win the American League East. So you have the Rays at minus 120 to win the AL East now that they swept the Red Sox over the weekend, have a one and a half game lead in the American League East division. They are the odds on favorite to win that division on FanDuel, but longer odds than to win the AL pennant, but then shorter odds to win the World Series. So in all three of those markets, nothing is correlated to the rest, Ariel. So that is very, very strange. And maybe something that FanDuel will catch on to here. Maybe they are hearing us speak right now. Maybe something we should have tipped John Sheeran with when he was on the show, but we kind of forgot to do that. I also think you could look at this World Series market at the moment. The Dodgers at plus 320. After the Max Scherzer and Trey Turner trade, they came all the way down to 3-1 to one in this market. Now 20 cents of regression there. The Astros at plus 480. We talked about the second shortest odds. The White Sox at plus 600 will be battling in the American League as they continue to get healthier. Eloy Jimenez back now. Lance Lynn is looking really, really good. Lance Lynn now the favorite to win the American League Cy Young Award at plus 110. I think the White Sox are a team to consider. As you go down, though, we talked about this with Dr. David Chow and the San Diego Padres at plus 1,200. You look one back of that, the New York Yankees at plus 2,700. Now, the Yankees' odds to win the American League are plus 1,000. There's been tons of negative regression in the Yankees' odds getting longer throughout this Major League Baseball season. The second shortest odds before the year began, right there behind the Dodgers at plus 490 for the Yankees, now at 27 to 1. But again, it's the idea that if the Yankees get into the postseason, you can have some value on them once again. They are two and a half games back of the second and final wildcard spot. They've won three straight games. Anthony Rizzo seems to be a wonderful addition to that Yankees lineup that also added Joey Gallo. They need some help pitching-wise. Garrett Cole doesn't certainly look like the best form of himself right now. If Corey Kluber can get back healthy, Jamison Tyone has been fantastic, but they need a little bit more help in that pitching staff. But I think the Yankees, again have a little bit of value in the futures market in the American League pennant and in the World Series odds if they can get to that postseason. Two and a half games back are the pinstripes right now of that second and final AL wildcard spot. I just saw this tweet, too, by I think it was John Heyman. Yeah, John Heyman uh, of MLB Network. He just tweeted this out. The Yankees actually have a better record than the Mets. Funny, we think the Yankees are having a terrible season and the Mets are having a great one. That's incredible. I mean, it's a great line because if you look at it, you could see that the World Series odds have the New York Mets at 12 to 1 and the Yankees at 27 to 1 to win the World Series. Yet we're looking at a weaker National League. The only thing is the National League West is the toughest division in baseball this year. Hands down. I'm sorry. I don't care about the American League East. The National League West is the best division in baseball. You have three teams that will likely make the playoffs in the Padres, the Giants, and the Dodgers. Whoever wins first place of the National League West that's where the World Series is running through. Those are the three best teams to me. And granted, the Padres haven't been as strong as others have thought, but that division is so strong that those teams up against everyone else in the National League, someone out, uh, that National League West is where the National League's running through. For the American League, you've got the Houston Astros, who are probably uh, trying to just go on this revenge tour, and they're not even fully healthy, as you mentioned, yet players such as Alex Bregman are out. Then you have the Tampa Bay Rays, who would love to go up and face the Dodgers in a rematch of last year's World Series. There's a lot of value in the American League, whereas for the National League, our, our perception is so off because the National League West is so good and every other division is bad that, Ben, we're seeing the Mets in this light 
that truthfully, the American League East just is a tough division and the Yankees are struggling this year, but they still have a better record than the Mets. It just it's funny the way that the perception is just because teams are in first place or third place. And the Mets minus 230 right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the National League East, but the NL East is not a good division. It's actually a little bit of a disappointment, I would say, that the Mets have not run away with that division, given we their talent and given what they have. Exactly. But you thought that teams like the Braves, fully healthy, would contend. The Braves are not fully healthy right now without Ronald Acuna Jr. You thought teams maybe like the Nationals would make a run, but the Nats were huge sellers at the deadline, very much akin to the Chicago Cubs. And it seems like the Phillies are trying to make that run and have a little bit of value, in my opinion, at plus 400 to win the National League East. They did shore up their bullpen a little bit at the trade deadline, but still, they're not able to be right there with the Mets right now. As you look at that division, Ariel, the Mets are 55-49, and 49, a 529 winning percentage. Everybody else in the National League East is below 500. The Phillies have the next best record at 52-53. and 53. And yet the Mets just hold a three-and-a-half game lead. So they are not running away with this division by any means. They have had some injury concerns as well along their starting staff. Obviously, Jacob deGrom being a huge factor for that. And they were bit by the injury bug big time very early on in the season. But they just haven't run away with this division. And so it's interesting to compare the two when you look at the two New York teams. The Mets minus 230, the Yankees far back in the AL East. But yet, still some good value on the Yankees in the futures market. Someone who knows how to find value in the MLB market, Tom Vecchio of FanDuel. He's going to join us coming up next. He's hit three straight home run props given out on the show. Knock wood. Hopefully we get another winner today. More strikeout props, futures bets. You're listening on SiriusXM Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining the show, the home run prop queen, a king, right? Is that what you're calling him, Ben? The home run prop king? Uh, it is Tom Becchio yes. of FanDuel. Tom, thanks for joining us this morning. I'm doing good. You know, we've been, uh, or I've hit on three straight home run props last three times I've been on this show, so I'm ready to go for four. I'm ready for it, too. I keep getting messages from people every day of the week asking what Tom Vecchio's home prop, home run prop of the day is. So today you're going with Brandon Crawford, plus 310. Why? So Crawford is a player that actually hit on a couple of months ago when I was on this show. Um, and he his profile is absolutely perfect. And he's going up against Taylor Widener, who is a young pitcher for the Diamondbacks. Only has a 36.2 inning sample size, so it's not the largest from Widener, but he's still allowing 2.04 home runs per nine to lefties, a 47% fly ball rate, a 43% hard contact rate. You name it, it's absolutely terrible for Widener. Again, it's a small sample size. But then Crawford's power is absolutely unbelievable on the other side with the 267 ISO with a 45.3% fly ball rate and a 38.5% hard contact rate. So it absolutely sets up to be a perfect spot for Brandon Crawford. Now, I will say that 
the Mets right now do not have home run props listed uh, because the pitcher for the Marlins has not been confirmed. I think it's going to be Jesus Lazardo, who was just traded from the uh, Athletics to the Marlins at the end of last week. So the Mets home run props are not up yet because he's not yet confirmed. But if you look to Baez, to Javi Baez or Pete Alonso, they should be in a great spot because, again, too many fly balls from Lazardo to righties from the Mets. Brandon Crawford, a part of a Giants team that has the second most home runs all year long in Major League Baseball with 158 for San Fran. I feel like I'm among royalty right now. The prop queen in Ariel Epstein and the home run prop king in Tom Vecchio. But not just a home run prop guy, a strikeout prop guy. And a guy making his debut today up in the Bronx for the New York Yankees is Andrew Heaney, acquired from the LA Angels at the trade deadline. Where are you looking and targeting Andrew Heaney's strikeout prop today, Tom? So for Heaney, I would actually lean with the under on six and a half, and I know that might seem like a bit of a shock for some people because Heaney comes in with a, a very strong 28.2% strikeout rate. He's been like this for the, uh, for the most part of his career. He has these great underlying metrics. He seemingly can't get it done uh, out on the mound on a consistent basis, which is why he's a bit up and down for some people. But a couple factors. One, he's al- he allows 1.53 home runs per nine uh, this season, which is just bad. Um Ultimately, I think he's like an okay or a good pitcher. Like he has these flashes of greatness, but he doesn't do it consistently. And then we look to Baltimore and everyone's going to say, okay, Baltimore, they're not a good team. We can take a pitcher that does have a good strikeout rate against Baltimore. But in fact, Baltimore has a 21.6% strikeout rate versus left-handed pitchers this year, which is the fourth lowest in the league. Despite not being good, Baltimore actually doesn't waste a whole lot of opportunities at the plate, which is good to see. So, you know, Baltimore has some power in that line, especially with the righties, Ryan Mountcastle, Trey Mancini, uh, Cedric Mullins. They have some power. So if the home runs get going against Heaney, this could be a rough first outing for him in a great hitter's park in Yankee Stadium, which is a negative park shift away from his home park where it was his home park with the Angels. So I'm leaning on the under for Heaney tonight. Interesting. I was looking for a way to figure out how to bet that game because it is the debut for Heaney. When it comes to these players that are on different teams, Tom, now that the trade deadline just happened, how much is it factoring into your handicap, whether it's a hitter or a pitcher, being in a new ballpark? Uh, absolutely huge. Uh, you know, if Gallo or Rizzo hit a home run tonight, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, they're going up against Jorge Lopez, a right-handed pitcher. It's a you know, positive park shift, I would say, for both of them because they're now at Yankee Stadium. They're both lefties in Yankee Stadium. So uh, all of those sorts of things you have to be looking at. You know, there's no reason not to take in extra information saying, okay, like someone like uh, Adam Duvall from the Marlins, which just traded from the Marlins to the Braves, who he was a former Brave a couple years ago. Adam Duvall has like a 45-plus percent fly ball rate versus lefties and righties. He swings and misses a lot as well. He's a big strikeout here, but he has a massive, massive fly ball rate. And going from Marlins Park, which is one of the best pitchers parks in the league, now going to Atlanta, which is a solid hitters park, that should only boost his fly ball rate and his home run potential more. So if you're not factoring in these kinds of things, you're kind of leaving information out there, which isn't the right way to do things. Tom, we are also now past the trade deadline. We are in the second half of the season. We are coming down the home stretch. We know who the real contenders are, who were buyers at the deadline. How much do you take into consideration motivation of making the playoffs, of positioning themselves for a playoff run now into your handicaps as well at this time of the year? 
So that's all important. As we get to September, I actually think that's when it gets the most important. You know, we still have 60, let's call it 60 days left, uh, you know, to the end of the season. Like, that's a lot of time. As September rolls around, I actually think that looking to, uh, you know, everyone's going to be shifting to football, but that's where you can find potentially some softer markets for pitcher strikeout props and home run props because we want to be looking at players' performance bonuses. You know, if a pitcher has X amount of innings or X amount of strikeouts, a hitter has X amount of home runs, that's where they get extra money in their, uh, you know, on top of their salary. So if a, a player can get an extra $500,000 and he has to hit four more home runs uh, in the final two weeks of the season, like that's something he's going to be very, very aware of. The same thing with pitchers, if they reach X amount of uh, you know, strikeouts in the season. So as we move closer to the end of the season, you actually can look in and find out what these performance bonuses are for the players and start betting on those props because they want half a million dollars uh, in their contract. Tom Vecchio of FanDuel joining us talking Major League Baseball. A lot of the lines have moved in favor of certain teams. Where do you still see value on the MLB World Series board or even just in the futures market in general? So the futures market in general, the two teams I have my eye on would be one, the White Sox to win the AL pennant and then for the Milwaukee Brewers to win the NL pennant. I think the Brewers, uh, both of them in the central of their respective uh, conferences or uh, leagues, I guess you would call it. Uh, they're both like sitting kind of pretty. Like the the White Sox have been in control all season. Uh, they're only getting healthier with Hemnes uh, coming back. They should be seeing Luis Luis Robert coming back soon. They have all the pitching you could possibly want. They made their bullpen even stronger. They have was a seven ish game lead in the AL Central. They should be in a great spot to position themselves to hopefully win the AL pennant. And then the Brewers. They've been kind of cruising along. I know they started off super slow, but they're getting healthier. I like them in the futures market. They should be able to win the division and. And then kind of let the uh, the NL West kind of just battle against each other. And then they're going to be sitting there, the healthiest team, are ready to go take whoever moves on. So futures market in Major League Baseball. We also look to the futures market in the NFL. We have Super Bowl odds. We have odds to win every conference division. And also team win totals. And also, on top of all of that, to make the playoff odds. Tom, you are targeting a team playing in the AFC West to make the playoffs. What team and why do you like that number? So it's not going to be the Chiefs because we know that's the easiest answer we could possibly get. It would be the Chargers at plus 126 to make the playoffs. Nothing to do with their wins, nothing to do about winning, you know, the con- the division of the conference, whatever. It's just to make the playoffs. So overall this season, and this is according to Sharp Football Stats, one of the best uh, sources out there, the Chargers have the 11th easiest strength of schedule. Now, if we look to the final six weeks of the season, we can now look at the season in thirds because there's the 18th week. That jumps up to the third easiest uh, strength of schedule in the final six weeks. They're playing the Bengals, the Giants, the Chiefs, which is, of course, tough, the Texans, the Broncos, and the Raiders. That's looking like four wins right there. You know, the the Bengals, the Texans, they can beat the the Raiders, the Broncos, maybe the Giants, whatever. That could be like four or five wins for the Chargers. So if they can pick up four wins to close out the season— I think that's going, be, that's going to be big. I'm buying into Justin Herbert for the next year. They brought in Joe Lombardi as their new offensive coordinator, who was with the, who was with the Saints, passing, uh, who was their passing game coordinator, and helped Drew Brees reach all those 5,000-yard seasons. So a little extra development for Justin Herbert, really get that offense going. We could see them make a big push this year, specifically in the final third of the season. I'm excited to see how Justin Herbert bounces back in his second year. It's always the most telling thing to see about a quarterback and how good they are if they can get all that tape against them and still be successful. Tom, when it comes to a team that may be overvalued in the marketplace in the NFL, who's that team? 
Uh, for me, I think the Colts were still sitting at minus money in order to make the playoffs. Uh, I think it was sitting at minus 110 or minus 115. Um, and I think that's just due to the division that they play in, right? We're, we're not looking at the Texans as a big threat. We're not looking at you – know, the Jaguars might be exciting with Trevor Lawrence, but we're not looking at them as a, as a huge threat overall. Uh, so I, I saw them seeing a minus money to make the playoffs, uh, I think it was earlier today or late last night, where I'm saying, okay, the, the, the Colts, we have this Wentz injury. What is it going to be? Is he going to have to sit out and then he'll, he'll come back healthy? Does he have to have surgery? Like, there's too many question marks for the Colts right now because they don't even have, like, a real backup. Their backups have taken zero uh, NFL snaps without Carson Wentz there. So, you know, I'm a little bit hesitant on the Colts to say, yeah, they'll make the playoffs even if Carson Wentz is healthy. So I think that they're overvalued there at minus money when we have a, a massive question mark is, is not a team I'd be looking towards. Tom, how much of your betting handle at this time goes to team win totals? Does it go to make playoff odds? Where is most of your betting handle when it comes to the futures market in the NFL? Uh, not yet. We haven't played any preseason games. We're still waiting on injuries. You know, I know like a lot of people like to jump in early, but the same thing people say is like you're drafting your fantasy teams too early. You could be betting too early, especially with the first few weeks of training camp and, and seeing some of these injuries come through for some teams. You know, taking an overwind total on a team and seeing their, their quarterback or running back or it might be go down uh, kind of leaves you dead in the water. So for me, it's I know where I think I want to go, and it's a, just a matter of getting it at the right time. Hall of Fame game coming up this Thursday between the Cowboys and the Steelers. The Steelers are favored in the game on the FanDuel Sportsbook. How do you handicap the Hall of Fame game? Uh, I don't. I, I don't I don't uh, bet on it. I don't bet on preseason games. Uh, I don't handicap them. I'll throw some DFS lineups out there just to uh, you know get my feet wet for the How? beginning of the season. But how do you do a DFS lineup if players play for a quarter? Because you don't take the starters. You take the backups, and you have to read through. Uh, beat reporters about which second, third, fourth string receiver is going to be out there for longer than looking to. Uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, who's going to play one series, you don't look to him. You look to Mason Rudolph, who could be playing two full quarters for the Steelers. It's about digging deeper rather than betting on specific outcomes. I want the, I want the players that I trust at, based on the beat reporter's information. Tom, as a player prop man in both the NBA and especially in Major League Baseball, have you looked at all at the NFL regular season player props for the entirety of the season? Uh, not yet. You know, as I said a couple of weeks ago, you asked me would I start looking into college football or NFL. I said NFL starts, you know, once August 1st rolls around and we're here. So this is the beginning of my process, you know, going through team by team, what I'm expecting from them, what I'm, what I'm reading from all these reporters, and then uh, what projections I see, what, what projections I trust, and, and what I'll be looking for uh, for the players to do throughout the, the entirety of the regular season. Just to recap, Tom gave out three picks on the show. He said that Brandon Crawford, home run at plus 310. Andrew Heaney, now a Yankees starter, under six and a half strikeouts. And in the NFL, Chargers to make the playoffs plus 126. Tom Vecchio, thank you for joining us. Catch him at DFS Tom on Twitter and all over the FanDuel platforms. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Have a good one. Coming up next, Ben and I are going to close out our number two here on our show. We're going to do a buy or sell segment. It's a little Homer-ish, but we deserve it. It's been a huge couple of days for the Syracuse Orange, and not because it's just the Syracuse Orange. It's just the alumni representing. And I'm not even talking about Ben and myself because we're representing all the time. I'm talking about out there on the field. You're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out hour number two here on the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Let's get now to our segment Buy or Sell. For Buy or Sell today, we are going full out Syracuse Orange. Bayheim's Army ends up advancing to the championship in the TBT tournament, and they end up getting the win over Florida uh, International 66-64. Ben, are you buying or selling that Bayheim's Army is going to win the million-dollar prize and the TBT championship? The TBT title game tomorrow. Bayheim's Army versus Team 23. Bayheim's Army, a three and a half point favorite. The over under total is 143 and a half. You can put this in right now for tomorrow. My best bet for Till Bet to Us Part tomorrow is Bayheim's Army winning the championship and covering as a three and a half point favorite in the TBT title game tomorrow. Bayheim's Army now has 20 wins in the history of the basketball tournament. That is the most wins in TBT history without winning a title. That streak will come to an end tomorrow. Bayheim's Army, led by a Boston College alum, by the way, Tyrese Rice, taking home a title. Ariel, a huge weekend for the Syracuse Orange. Bayheim's Army into the TBT final. Miles Robinson, the game-winning header in the 117th minute. A Syracuse alum to push Team USA men's national team to a Gold Cup final championship trophy. What a weekend for the Syracuse Orange. It continues tomorrow night, the TBT title for Bayheim's Army. I absolutely love it. There's nothing better than being able to brag about Syracuse for three minutes here on the show. Jim Beheim's going to be in attendance, the head coach of the Syracuse men's basketball team. Oh. He's going to be in attendance for the championship. Alternate spread, minus eight and a half. Alternate spread. Cover everything. We're winning by double digits. There's nothing better than some inspiration from the man himself of Bayheim's Army. For our MSG audience, we do have to sign off. Tune into sportsgrid.com. Find out which platform works best for you. We are on multiple streaming services as we go into hour number three. You can also listen on SiriusXM Channel 204 and the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Best bets, MLB picks, more guests, all coming up in hour three. We are your official source for gaming, odds, and more. Except no substitutes. They won't be around long anyway. <laughs>